You're listening to Solar Insiders, a fortnightly update on the ins and outs of the solar industry and what it means for consumers. With Renew Economies editor Giles Parkinson and leading solar industry veteran Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by SunWiz, makers of PV cell software, and Solar Analytics, suppliers of intelligent solar monitoring. Hello and welcome to this episode of Solar Insiders. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy and One Step Off the Grid and a very soon to be launched EV website. Joining me is Nigel Morris. Nigel, how are you? Terrific, thanks, Giles. How are you today? Are you now are you sure you know who you are? Because you know, a minute ago you weren't. Look, um, I think everyone's pretty confused at the moment, um, um, mainly with the change of government. Um, Everything. N- Nigel, you sound someone like um, very, seems sound very chipper for someone who's obviously had a very bad loss. Um, you know, the, um, the neg is dead. The neg is dead. The neg is gone. What a week, Giles. What a week. I, don't, I think I'm like pretty much everyone else in this industry that despite trying to ignore it, it was like watching a slow motion train crash live. It was um, just couldn't take my eyes off it. And what a mess. What a mess. So we have um, Prime Minister Scott Morrison, as everyone is very aware, and uh, Energy Minister um, Angus Taylor, who no longer has to worry about emissions because that's been sort of ripped out of his portfolio and stuck back in environment, uh, which will be led by Melissa Price, a, um, a, a girl from Kalgoorlie, mining mm-hmm. lawyer. Um, mm-hmm. So she's going to look after our emissions and all the environmental impacts. Angus Taylor's got a bit of a beef, always has had about subsidies, um, mostly wind subsidies, mainly because wind farms have been appearing around his family property and his friends down in the southern areas of New South Wales. And um, he spoke at that really nasty um, wind power fraud rally back in Canberra in 2013 that was hosted by Alan Jones. And the only other speaker in that rally who's still in Parliament is Craig Kelly, so that's not a great sign. Um, so, But he doesn't seem to like subsidies at all of any sort, which might make an interesting view about what's going to happen next. Um, He's a very good mate with Rod Sims, the ACCC chairman, who seems to be merging as some sort of energy czar now, and um, he doesn't like subsidies either, and he wants to bring the rooftop subsidies to an end in 2021. Mm. Um, so um, all sorts of different things, but mate, um, you can report on some pretty um, bizarre things happening out there in solar land. Um, as you've got written down here, too much roller in the solar coaster. I like that line. Yeah, look, it's... Um, can you tell us what it means? <laughs> well, it's classic solar coaster, this stuff. You know, between, you know, anyone in our industry who has been around for a few years watches with great interest what happens at the federal level because obviously it has huge implications. And, and, and it literally, you know get everyone to just stop and pause for a moment and go what's going on here what's 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 going what's the effect on my business here and um it's interesting to hear all sorts of industries out there crying foul when things happen and looking for government support and you know saying well if you're going to wreck our industry we want some support so yeah we're watching very very closely on top of that but what, what, what is happening tell me let's be let's be so, so stcs well, are running running all over the place well let's look at victoria specifically because okay, around victoria. this whole federal rebate um or around the federal um, election stuff, um, what also happened was Victoria announced a solar rebate, which is the first solar rebate news we've had for ages. It was announced on a Sunday, which was kind of funky. And, of course, what happens every time there is an announcement about a rebate is every potential solar consumer who thinks they might be able to get a slice of that rebate waits. So they stop. 
They don't buy, they wait. Because what they're now waiting for is the free money that's been promised to them. So what this I'm hearing exactly on the This is exactly what happened in... Sorry, yep, this is exactly what happened in South Australia when they proposed a um, the Tesla um, virtual power plant. Exactly. It happens every single time. And, and, you know, it is wonderful to see the Victorian state government making an announcement and getting behind solar. That I commend in, in, in the, the, the greatest of terms. However, but. they weren't ready with the forms. They weren't ready with the detail. And what that means is they have crippled the industry. Phones are running off the hook. Um, and we're in the same scenario that we saw in, in uh, New South Wales when it came to the overly generous 60 cent feed in tariff, which the solar industry argued against. I'll remind our, 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 our governors. Um, we argued against that. And I, I explained to someone this morning that I was chatting with someone in New South Wales around that time following the rebate, saying, you know, what did the solar rebate mean to you? And he said, that was how I got my tax back, right? The government was going to give me something and I pay a lot of tax. So you're going to throw something on the roof. I don't really care. Do whatever you need to do with my roof. This is how I get my tax back. And by God, I'm owed it. Right. And so what this is doing now is bringing out exactly the same attitude in, in, in some Victorians who are just ringing up saying, how do I get my tax back? How do I get my money? I don't care about the solar panels. If you have to put solar panels on, that's fine. But tell me how I get that money. So it's causing a lot of angst and aggravation down in Victoria already and, and, a, and a, almost a dead stop in solar sales. On top of which, you've also got people who purchased solar a week or two or three before who are now ringing their solar installers saying, oh, mate, you must have known about this. You need to give me my two grand. So it's not been managed as well as it could have been managed. And I really, really, really implore the Victorian solar guys, great bunch of guys behind this scheme, but please, for goodness sake, get the detail out and get this scheme rolling. Yeah, it's interesting. Just to remind people what the scheme was, was the Victorian government came out. They're in election mode now, so this is obviously an election type thing. Um, they promised a 50% rebate on four kilowatt systems um, up front. And then from next July uh, 1, for up to 650,000 homes, um, they would also get an interest-free loan repayable after four years, presumably from the savings that you get from having a solar system. So that would actually add 2.6 gig gigawatts to the Victorian um, market in uh, 10 years. And I think about 24, 26,000 homes were scheduled to be done between now and next July. So that's, you know, that's kind of locked in. And, and I guess that's where all this confusion and um, this shifting around is, is happening. Yeah, you're right. And, and, and I mean, one of the other things that someone highlighted to me was, um, you know, I was talking to someone else who operates in multiple states and I said, what do you think? Are you moving to Victoria? Are you setting up an office? And they said, well, you know, the funny thing is in Victoria, because the solar radiation is lower, you don't get as many STCs down there anyway. So, you know, what this rebate has done has really brought Victoria up to the levels that you might see in South Australia or New South Wales or un other, some other states because it offsets the, the lower rate of STCs, um, uh, that small scale technology not technology certificates or, or the SRES. So, um, so it, it, it has really helped to levelise Victoria um, to some degree, which is a, which is a great thing. Um, mm. We've just got to not delay. When you make these announcements, you have to be ready and you have to roll fast. Quite right. Um, speaking of STCs, um, they're having a bit of a roller coaster too. They're down a bit. What's going on there? Yeah, well, this is the interesting thing about STCs, and again, they're you know the STCs are you know they're in the back carriage of the 
solar coaster that we know and they go up and down like uh, like the, like everyone else who's riding the solar coaster and we've seen SD pro, SDC prices be relatively stable over the long term however we have seen some big jumps and some big drops from time to time and there are multiple people out there warning uh, now saying a if we see a big surge in solar which we certainly should see once Vic gets rolling towards uh, the through the second half of this year and of course solar prices are strong at the moment anyway or low so it means demand is strong so so what that means is that you know the speculators that are out there that really drive what the STC price uh, is, um, the, some of the speculators out there may say, well, we see that there's going to be a huge flood of supply, so why would we pay so much? We're probably going to end up in oversupply shortly. Um, so a lot of people now are saying be very, very, very careful. There's a, there's a chance that the STC price could drop. So for those of you who may be exposed out there, Talk to your brokers, talk to your aggregators, talk to specialists in this field uh, and get some good advice so that you don't um, get caught um, with a falling SDC price. Let's move on to some other fascinating news that just um, um, occurred today, actually. Um, Nigel, um, RCR Tomlinson. I mean, what we're seeing at the moment is this sort of massive, massive investment boom in large-scale solar. So if you mm. go back a couple of years ago, they basically didn't exist, apart from mm. old Greenough River, a couple near the ACT, and then the Broken Hill and Ningen um, solar farms. Um, the old solar flagship stuff, and now it's all booming. But um, someone's come a cropper. RCR Tomlinson, one of the biggest contractors, and probably had a lion's share of the major solar projects. Um, they've had major problems out at the Daydream and Hayman Island solar farm, which I think's been built around the old um, the old Collinsville um, power station um, up in northern Queensland. Um, they've written $57 million off a contract um, worth $312 million. So that's a major, major blowout. They're, um, wow. they're blaming third-party delays, and we'll go into that in a minute. Um, also, um, site problems. It was wetter than they thought, so they had to put more pilings in for the uh, for the arrays, and they blamed some bad weather and all sorts of delays. So... Um, Pretty interesting stuff, and if you actually look at their uh, announcement, I went through their slideshow today, because they've um, this write-down has caused them to post a $16 million loss, and, and, and they're a big company, um, mm. so that's a loss. They've cancelled their dividend, they've lost their chief executive, that happened a couple of months ago. Right. They suspended their shares, now they're having a, a rights issue and or equity raising, and um, they're saying, um, we like the look of trains, which is what they used to do. So they're going to go back to trains. Um, oh, solar projects all too hard. Now, look, we may well laugh, but um, but, but it's interesting. Look, I, I actually went it's over to... There's been a lot of talk in the industry about problems with solar projects, and we've written about some of them, some of the increasing scrutiny and delays caused by the networks trying to get their mind around this, um, yep. the increased requirements imposed by AEMO. Um, a lot of them have come halfway through the projects, some of them being justified. AEMO's even sort of said, well, some of these people out there don't know what they're doing. That wasn't yep. a particular reference to RCR, but I mean, just, just sort of, you know, in general, there's probably a few cowboys out there. Mm. So we do hear about some of these problems, and we've heard about disputes between project owners and the um, ECMs. And this is interesting because this is the first time, because it's a listed company, it's become public, and we just sort of seen the blowout here. 
And that's so, a big blowout um, too. Fifty-seven million bucks. That's um, that's a hell of a stuff up, right? That's a hell that's of a stuff huge. up. That's huge. Potentially yeah. enough to bring a bring a bring a large company like that down. And you, you know, the, the large project stuff is is so fascinating. It's so great to see all these large projects coming on the, online. But it, it really does highlight that this is very very complicated business. And 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 as you've written about, and and in fact, I was chatting to a an old colleague of mine actually who now spends his life. Um, driving around the countryside, visiting large solar plants. He happens to be one of the senior people who helps monitor these um, facilities. And what his job is, is to ramp them up, ramp them down, train his guys, make sure they're looked after, make sure these really big mega scale plants are operating the way they're supposed to be and troubleshoot and replace equipment and do whatever else needs to be done. And, you know, the challenges just associated with getting people to go to some of these places and operate the facilities is is not uh, is not insubstantial either. Um, uh, th- there are some real challenges um, in 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 getting good people, in getting good equipment, in dealing with the logistics, in dealing with the sites, as as RCR have found out. So, mm. not for the faint-hearted, Giles. No, it's interesting. And look, out of curiosity, I decided to look at another listed company which is doing a lot of solar projects and. Um, <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, down a group, and I had a look through their recent presentation, and it was interesting. I got hold of a transcript of their talking to analysts, and someone asked about all their projects and stuff like that. And they, he was making, he made a, um, the CEO made a very interesting point. He's saying, "Well, look, the margins are driven down. It's tight there. There's so much competition. Every man and his dog wants to build a solar project, as he said, or you know, mm-hmm. do the actual EPC contract. So yep. it's interesting, sort of all out there. I mean, basically, a similar problems that you're getting in the rooftop solar industry." some really important installations, some really well-qualified and very effective people, um, and some cowboys, some, some um, you know, margins being driven down, and then occasionally these little blow-ups um, happening here. Mm. So interesting mm. stuff. It is. It is. Yeah. It'll be, hey. it'll be it, you know, it's, we've just got to watch. And, um, you know, I think this large-scale stuff in Australia, although the people involved, many of the people involved have been doing this kind of stuff for years, but clearly the market and, and, and the dynamics in that market have got to settle down a bit so everyone can do it and have mm. uh, enough money in it so that if something goes wrong, they can, uh, they can fix it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, look... Um, Let's move on to um, some good news now. Um, Enphase Hybrid, do some product stuff for a little bit. Um, Enphase Hybrid Inverters. Um, yeah. That's some the, interesting stuff. Um, it, going standalone without a battery, I like the idea of that. It, extremely cool. It was a bit of a leak. Uh, well, not really a leak, but it was embargoed for a while. It came out from a guy in the US who's a, a, a big customer of Enphase over there, and he wrote this story, which a lot of people picked up on on, uh, on social media, and was a really fascinating read about a trip to the Enphase labs where he saw an Enphase system that was operating grid connected and they turned the network, turned the grid off and the system stayed up and then they put loads on and the solar system supported the load and eventually they put so much load on that the system cried enough and turned off and they turned the loads back off and the system came back up. So it was effectively operating in a full island mode with no storage and as long as there was enough solar available to deliver it to the load it would just deliver it directly which is extremely cool because for people with solar out there and Enphase have done a great job 
of making this somewhat backward compatible too, so that if you've got their previous generation of uh, microinverters and you've got enough of the new generation of microinverters that'll be coming out with this feature, then you know you'll get this same feature. I also I'm, discovered. I'm, like, I'm liking the sound of that because I just happen to be one of those people. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. It's. I mean, it's it's a dream come true for anyone with solar, right? Where they've got a little, little bit of blackout redundancy um, without necessarily having to have batteries. And of course, if you can integrate batteries in, then you, you're in even better space. I also discovered in you know asking around the traps and talking to a couple of other people, also discovered another inverter company, Delta Inverters, who are who are um, a growing name in Australia. Some of their inverters can already do this as well. So um, this is this is really um it's the coolest thing i've heard in in ages around inverters um, because, to be honest, because mostly what happen, what we understand happens if there's a local um, blackout or whatever or you know the grid goes down then the, the solar panels are obliged to sort of go down with them because yep. um the companies don't want any electricity sort of flowing through the um, through the wires at all so Correct. this basically goes into iron mode and um and, and just goes okay solar panels here's a toaster power it Apparent, exactly right. And and of course, there needs to be some physical disconnection. So there'll need to be some relays or various other things that can isolate it. And then mm-hmm. something needs to create the reference voltage. This has always been the tricky bit that what the, what the inverters want to see is they want to see that AC nice and stable before they'll reconnect and power up again. And so it's all about creating a reference voltage within its, within itself that it says, okay, there's a reference voltage here. Um, we're isolated from the grid, do the relevant safety checks uh, and, 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 you know, repower. Um, so we're starting to see this technology um, just starting to emerge now. And um, hmm. in, it, it, let alone whether you've got batteries or not, it is a very, very cool use of the PV, te- PV technology. And I, I would expect in a few years that we would see a lot of manufacturers follow down this route and try to, uh, try to achieve the same thing because it's super cool. It is super cool, and that makes another interesting challenge for the battery storage market. And we saw just last week, um, AEMA, the Australian Energy Market Operator, came out with its sort of um, electricity statement of opportunities document. It's their annual document about you know what sort of investments needed over the next ten years. But included in that was some really interesting stuff about battery storage forecasts, and they actually slashed their um, forecast for the uptake of battery storage by more than half to just 2.8 gigawatts by 2038, um, Why? which is about Why, one Giles? fifth. I, I read one, that and I thought, what? What? Do you know what motivated them to suddenly half that? Well, they got a report from the CSIRO, which they have not released, and the CSIRO's understanding is, or assumption is, that um, prices are coming down. Praise be to um, you know the ACCC and all the other things. Um, so that is going to make energy. You're talking storage. about energy prices. Yeah, grid prices apparently they're on the way down. And grid prices are on the way to... down. You heard it here first. <laughs> Holy crap! Well, um, yeah. There you go, Scomo. And, um, We've done the done the job, mate. You can pack up. Don't worry about the election. <laughs> prices are coming down. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Um, so yeah, prices come down. So um, battery storage is no longer economics, so and no one's going to put it in. So there you go. Yeah, well, um, look, forecast. No I mean, look, forecast is is you know forecasts are kind of all over the shop, but it's just really yeah. interesting that they're actually making that. And um, I I highlighted that in the story last week, and I was a bit surprised. But look, there you go. We'll just we'll see what happens. And, and, then, and the um, reality, I mean, come to the coalface, mate, and talk to people who are out there selling batteries. And, it's, and I'm lucky enough to get to talk to lots of people every day. And I'm hearing story after story after story of people 
continuing to sell. It's not easy. It is still challenging. The economics are not great, but there are still tons of people. And there's not a, not a week that doesn't go by that I don't speak to someone and I say, hey, are you selling batteries? Yeah, how many? And I go, no way. You've sold that many. That's pretty cool. It's still a small percentage. But, um, you know, there is nothing in, um, the, in the forecast that I can see that would suggest it's going to go down over time. It's going to go up. Yeah, and look, and I reckon there's a really big market um, from people who are not really doing the ROIs or return on investment on the batteries. For them, it's a bit like a couch or a new dining room table. Um, they want one, they're going to buy one, you know, and they're not sort of sitting there saying, um, how quickly can I pay off my couch? Hell yeah, Giles. Um, you know, all you got to do is go back when the battery whole thing got started talking about it a few years ago. Sorry, I'm getting so excited. I'm tangling, tangling myself up. 50,000 people bought tiny little PV systems when there were hardly any rebates with a 15-year payback because they thought it was a good idea, right? Mm 50,000 people. So it is very, very simple to calculate that there is probably at least 50,000 people, probably the same 50,000 people who are going to very happily jump in and buy a battery that has a better payback than the PV system that they bought and will actually leverage the technology that they bought um, all those years ago. So there is uh, little reason to think that um, there isn't a really strong market out there just in those early adopters. And we've seen the PV market behave in exactly the same way. It is not all about economics we know that absolutely and look um, we should probably stop here just to have a word and thanks to our sponsors um sunwiz um warwick johnson down down there with um um pv cell he's um mm-hmm. his software that helps um people sell stuff to consumers and particularly the commercial businesses and solar analytics of course um good monitoring device and um and you guys just confirmed last week too that you bought um matter solar we did. We made an acquisition, which was um, very exciting for us. You know, That's we're on a revenue you're getting out of um, Solar Insiders, <laughs> mate. <laughs> yeah, <that's>, yeah. <laughs> oh, you must be hanging on to that revenue, John. <laughs> <laughs> revenue, yeah. No, we do this for love, we're, mate. We're we just about, we're, love. we're just about to get to fifty thousand downloads so far. No way. Our, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. Awesome. Yep. Yep. No, yep. we did make an acquisition. We we we're always on the lookout for technology and what we can do to accelerate things. And Matter had uh, been around for six or seven years, off the top of my head. Invested a lot of money in developing some pretty cool hardware and some very cool software. And they had a little crack. Their speciality, the one market they went after was the kind of rental market, which is a really really interesting little niche in the marketplace um they did did okay at, w- at what they'd done there but they just didn't quite crack the, the the volume that they needed to justify the investment and a bunch of things happened and so anyway we we've picked up some of the ip we didn't pick up the whole business um but we picked up some of the ip around uh, hardware and around software and around some of the trademarks and uh are eagerly um you know unpacking boxes so to speak at the moment going <laughs> what's in here what could we could we use this this could be great it's it's, uh, it's a bit like a lucky dip at the moment, but uh, I know the dev guys and the algo guys are really, really excited about what they're finding in there. So it's going to take us a while to unravel it and work out what we're going to do with it all, but it is undoubtedly um, going to accelerate us a couple of years ahead. So uh, we're really excited to have made that acquisition. Cool. Well done. Um, a good solar story. Good solar story. Now, this is a real simple one. This is a tip. Um, 
a mate of uh, a mate of one of my boys uh, called me up over the weekend and said, "Nigel, I've got a school project. Uh, I want to see if we can get solar on uh, on the high school where I go with uh, with your boy." Um, I've been doing some numbers. I've been researching, and I stumbled across uh, your name. And uh, Dad said I should ring you and ask you how much solar do we need to put on the school? And he'd done his research, had his bills there, and um, and I remembered back to a very very simple rule of thumb that I've tested a few times before, and it's this: when you're trying to work out how much solar you need to fit on a school, a rough rule of thumb is 250 watts of PV per student. I've done detailed studies on numerous schools before along with uh, other people and when you reverse engineer it you inevitably end up around about 250 watts per student so just a really lovely story we were able to fact check this and check it against these bills and kind of reverse engineer it and do a few different things and go yeah sure enough 250 watts so there you go that's the rule for schools Uh, 250 watts a student and you're going to be pretty close to uh, offsetting the average bill in a school. That's bloody brilliant, mate. Yeah, <laughs> simple as. Simple as, mate. It's, uh, you know, it's a great starting point. And particularly for so many kids out there are, are really, really interested in this. And they're doing projects. So I helped him with some roof designs and some satellite imaging and just went, you know, what size do we need? Okay, we need this. Let's see if we can squeeze that on the school. We can squeeze it on the school. There you go. Rough mm-hmm. price, which you can find on the net. And, and he's got a project to take. And, you know, uh, hopefully, we'll get, hopefully we'll get a couple of hundred kilowatts of PV on the school all at the end of the project. Beautiful. Um, mm. Crap solar. Crap solar, yeah. So I'm going to take a different take on crap solar rather than sort of, you know, bagging it out. I just thought we might try and make this really practical for listeners, especially the end users uh, who we know do tune in. So um, th- I'm going to try and come up with three tips to how to avoid crap solar in practical terms every week. Three tips every week. Um, so the first one, this is a real good one. This is one of those practical things um, that, again, and I have to pay homage to, to crap solar on on, uh, on Facebook who um, just are an endless source of entertainment and uh, gobsmacking behavior um, i should just point out that that's actually not a company it's um <laughs> it's actually just a facebook page pointing it's out the deficiencies and certain that's, installations and practices <laughs> that's right that's right it wouldn't really work as a pv company name um but uh no rule number one from this week uh is um check to see that your solar cables haven't been installed in your gutter now that seems like an obvious thing don't mm-hmm. install DC power cables in the gutter. But, uh, but sure enough, this week we saw a photo from a solar installation where the... Um, oh, I'm just going to skip over the superlatives for what the installer should be called, but any installer who... Uh, no installer should ever install DC solar cables in a gutter, and it's not a thing that you would normally expect to have to advise an end user to have a look around after the install's done and make sure the cables aren't installed in your gutter. But it clearly, um, that's one of the things you've got to look out for. Uh, number two, uh, um, top tip number two for avoiding crap solar. Um, generally, not a good idea to install inverters in the kid's bedroom next to the bunk bed. We saw a photo this week, literally, of an inverter that was within about six inches of, of, of where you know some little kids would have been sleeping. Um, deadly, annoying non-compliant and stupidity uh if i know my 10 year old he would have been doing all sorts of weird things to that inverter during the night when he was bored and couldn't get to sleep and um that is just an incredibly stupid thing to do so do not let anyone talk to you into installing the inverter in a bedroom or in any living area it's actually non-compliant shouldn't be done 
<laughs> That's number two. Um, number three, and I'm going to make it really, really relevant. So, so best tip number three, um, uh, don't believe the ads that you're seeing for the Victorian rebate, solar rebate that we mentioned earlier on in this, uh, in this podcast. Uh, we're all already seeing within a day the ads were starting to roll out. Um, uh, the scheme has not been rolled out in detail, so you can't yet apply for it, or at least you couldn't at the time of recording this. There are no application forms. There's no process and uh, the details are fairly scant. So for anybody to be advertising that you could get a solar system in Victoria for $1,000 after the rebate um, is lying to you because they do not know what the net price is going to be because they do not know what the rules and regulations are and what requirements might apply. Um, so, um, you know, uh, crap solar tip number three is don't believe the ads that are out until the program has been finalised. That's a good point. Just these guys move quick, don't they? Sure do. I mean, I get business, right? I get you. I get business, and everyone's preparing and saying, "What do we need to do? And how do we take advantage of this? And you know, how do we make sure that we get good solar out there?" And the good solar guys are battling really hard to try and make sure that this scheme is built right, so that we protect consumers' interests. But, um, but boy, you have to move fast in this day and age. You do. Hey, mate, we're running up to about 30 minutes, but we've still got some EV news. Um, mm. Pretty soon we're going to be shifting this to our special EV podcast on our new EV website, which I promise would be up by this by this podcast, but won't be. But you can see it tomorrow, maybe. Tomorrow? Oh, or Thursday. Fantastic. Thursday. Thursday. That's Thursday. tomorrow for the listeners who get to listen to this podcast on a Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Thursday, Thursday. To, Thursday to you. So finally um, getting it up there um, very quickly. Um, Nigel. You're going to run through this stuff very, very quickly because then I'm going to talk about our special podcast at the Oil Energy Conference coming up soon. Excellent, excellent. Okay, so real quick one. Lithium commodity prices have slumped for the first time in ages. This is really interesting because they have doubled up until 2017 and everyone was jumping on the lithium uh, bandwagon and saying this is where all the big money's going to come. But of course, just like the PV and the silicon supply industry, we see periods of oversupply and undersupply. And at the moment, what it appears is there is now a bit of an imbalance between the production of batteries and the requirements for lithium and the amount of lithium that's becoming available. So for the first time, we've seen a reduction in price by about 44%. Um, so that's really interesting to watch because that could have pros and cons for what we see flowing through to the price of the batteries. It could end up meaning that if we end up in an oversupply situation, batteries in three, six, nine months' time as we start absorbing the lithium now at lower prices actually come down in price. So that's cool. Um, I think the other thing that's really, really cool, um, in fact, mind-blowing, a world first for me, uh, first time in uh, my entire life, I was down at the old Tonsley Pond in South Australia visiting someone down there recently, and blow me down, Giles, if an autonomous bus didn't just drive past me. Just, I'm glad it didn't run you over. Just No, it avoided me. It very carefully avoided me. wasn't going particularly fast, but there was a passenger in the back, no driver, and it just, it just went... And just pootled past on its way to the train station nearby. Um, it's a little trial that's going on. I tried to uh, to book a ride myself, but I'd missed the cutoff, so I couldn't get on, sadly. But first time I've ever seen an autonomous vehicle just um, just charging just, around. So I thought that was down the really road. cool. Just tooting down. Really, hey, really cool. This next one's got me interested. Kalashnikov has we all a retro Kalashnikov. <laughs> that's Kalashnikov has so we all a retro looking electric car. Right, so Kalashnikov, the Russian company famous for their for their ammunitions uh, and their and their uh, for their uh, weapons, um, have wheeled out an electric car, and well, it looks like a Russian car, and that, that's just, it. it so, 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 by mean, de- so by definition, it's retro. It's it looks a, like a Trabant. Uh, 
Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of like an ugly Datsun sixteen hundred, right? It's it's an odd, odd looking little car, and they've changed the grill, given a new paint job, put some mags on it, and called it an electric car. It would appear, um, but they reckon it's going to outperform a, a Tesla. Um, in what uh, way? Well, in all ways, it would seem. It seems a little bit bizarre to me. Um, but they also announced an electric. Mo- There's a Kalashnikov electric motorcycle as well, uh, which they announced a little while ago. So Kalashnikov, are, are, you know, surprisingly one to watch in the whole. EV space. They're, you know, very well connected, I would but, guess. But, but they, they must have a few engineers with nothing to do over there. Clearly, clearly, mm. clearly. So, mm. um, but that's one to watch because, you know, competition is good. It's, uh, I don't know if they're going to give Tesla a run for their money, but uh, it's kind of cool. And kinda the last cool. one was a little one on BMW, just a very short video that's been floating around the web where they're now starting to promote uh, um, the use of um, of BMWs as a power supply. And there was literally a little, uh, a little outlet in the boot. You open the boot and, and there was a nice little video of a guy with a coffee stall powering his coffee stall off his car, which is kind of pretty simple and we all know that it can be done but to actually see it in a video and and being used as a promotional tool to say hey you know there's enough power in this car not only to drive you a long distance but you can actually power stuff from it it's a it's a power supply so that was very cool that's pretty cool and look um, things are obviously moving in the ev space in australia um although we don't get to drive this stuff we get to look at it at least so last week i went down to sydney and saw a tesla model 3 um, which I paid put down a deposit for more than two years, and if I'm going to get it, I'll have to wait another year. But I was I was mortified when I discovered that the um, the all glass roof version doesn't have any allowance for roof uh, roof racks. So uh, I'm not too sure oh, when I stick my bloody longboard. Where's the board? Go, mate? Where's the board well, I don't go? know. Well, normally I'd sort of tuck it inside and just sort of hang the front over the dashboard, but they've got this bloody great big screen. <laughs> which actually serves as the dashboard. It's like a computer. You know, it's like a giant iPad. And um, so there's a niche opportunity got, um, for someone. Well, I said Elon's got eight months to get this right, or I'm I'm I'm, I'm defecting. So, um, and I'm going to have I'm going to have a couple of other options too because I think the Ionic's actually going to be um, up for sale and in, in um, and, and deliverable within a couple of months. That's the Hyundai Ionic, okay. and um, I think we're going to get a bit of a sneak preview of the Nissan Leaf as well sometime um, soon. So. Um, Adding to the Jaguar um, unveil or reveal um, mm. in Australia a couple of weeks ago, so mm. um, and, and things Porsche, are starting to tick over. They are. Porsche have um, been doing some tra- more track testing. Lots of interesting video turning up of their new EV, which is looking really, really cool. Um, oh, talking about Australia. Oh yeah, well Mercedes-Benz well, yeah. got an SUV. Yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and they also did a um, did a hypercar Monterey um, uh, festival is on um, with a big car festival is on this week and a lot of new EV announcements coming out there, including some great concept cars, a gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous Mercedes uh, hypercar that they announced. So lots well, going on. As good usual. stuff. Now, mate, we've in four weeks' time, or just over four weeks' time, we've got a big date down at the All Energy Conference. Um, on the first day at lunchtime, you and me and David Leach and Simon Corbell and one other guest to be announced are going to be um, doing a live podcast. No way. We really? are. Yeah. Didn't I tell you? <laughs> no. That's fantastic, Charles. I love this. I love it. You heard it here. Both well, brace. Twice with breaking news to me. Oh, right look, you've got, you, you got to tune in more often, Nigel. Um, <laughs> that's exciting, mate. I can't wait to do that. Um, no, especially that, with that David be because I've never met David. So I'm really looking well, forward to there it. There you go. So, look, that should be an absolute hoot. So, um, I reckon the whole thing will probably go for about an hour. We've got one of the halls there at lunchtime. Um, so, we'll um, have a half hour bit of a rave amongst ourselves and then um, maybe open up for questions from the audience and... Um, 
see how we go. So if you um, want to come along and say hello, um, that'll be an opportunity and sort of see how we work in the flesh. Fantastic. That's going to be exciting. We we have to get as many listeners as we can to that. We want all your questions. We want a chance to uh, to hear feedback from you and uh, and answer stuff on the spot. Absolutely. Good stuff. Mate, we're going to have to wrap it up here. Um, thanks to you. Thanks to our sponsors, PV Solar Analytics. And um, thanks to everyone listening out there. Um, help us get to 50,000 downloads by the end of next week. That would be fantastic. We're nearly there. And um, onwards and upwards. Nigel, thanks very much. You're welcome, mate. Always great. Bye-bye. Bye. Solar Insiders was brought to you by SunWiz, makers of PV cell software that gives retailers the tools to stay ahead of the competition. Visit sunwiz.com.au, Australia's leading solar consultancy. Solar Insiders is also brought to you by Solar Analytics, designers and suppliers of smart solar monitoring. Visit solaranalytics.com.au, get empowered and make the most of your home energy.